Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbitz, and welcome back to the 13th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 4th, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to begin this week's podcast and happy, at least here in the United States, happy Labor Day. It's a time where we recognize and at least appreciate the people, the working force, giving them a day off. And I don't know about you, I think, especially the last couple of years, everybody has had kind of a weird couple years. And so I think recognizing the labor that is still being done is vastly important. And I think it's something to be recognized. So enjoy that day if you're at least here in the United States. So let's look into the questions that we had last week. We actually had two. I asked first, do you know of any companies that recognize the person who allowed the business to happen? And two, Do you allow yourself to be humbled enough to recognize those who made you the person that you are and pull up those who need to be recognized? And I know that's something that we've kind of circled back around a couple different times is recognizing people who helped us make us who we are. And I think one of the great and easy ones is looking at different teachers, looking at different instructors in your life is an easy one. I know in my life history, when I was doing some substitute teaching, I had the privilege of being able to go back and thanking some of those different teachers. But I think recognition of people is a very important one. And going back to the first question, I got one which, again, I would have never known. Glenn L. Marine Design, again, is recognizing a person who allowed that to happen. So I think it's fun to think about and to recognize people who maybe have gone forgotten. I know as I've driven past some Goodyear signs this last year, just it's caused me to think about Goodyear a little bit differently and just the recognition of what that has. And then as we kind of just briefly touched on the history of what both Goodyear and the family that founded Goodyear, the impact that they had on society was tremendous. And I think it's kind of fun just to think about that, to recognize that, to acknowledge that is something that's worth doing. So let's just jump into it. We again have multiple readings for your first text. So the Old Testament reading is from Jeremiah chapter 18 verses 1 to 11. This is kind of an interesting text in that it's where we get a lot of different songs where it talks about the potter. This is where Jeremiah is getting called by the Lord to go to a potter's house and recognizing the potter's hands working a vessel and making it into whatever the potter is expecting that to be made into. And the Lord kind of comparing Israel to the clay and that he is the the potter's hands and recognizing that he isn't wanting evil, but if there is that he's willing to slap it down and remold if that's what he needs to do. So it's this recognition of more of a creative God in certain ways that we don't get a lot, kind of seeing the creativity and the part of God, even though it kind of has a discerning message, this recognition of how we are in the control of God as long as we are listening and not fighting against the potter, but allowing the potter's hands to mold us and make us who God is trying to make us. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6 and 13 to 18. 
These, again, are some of the more feministic style of seeing God, which is absolutely beautiful, especially 13 through 18 is just this amazing incarnation of giving that impression of being knit in the mother's wounds and putting us together and just you get this mother like knitting type of vibe in reading this and how God is just like perfectly working to be the artist that God is in bringing this all together. But in the first half of this text, it's the recognition of how God knows us inside and out, knows us completely, and the recognition of that and allowing God to be able to do that and how that is beautiful that God is able to do that. The other Old Testament text that you can choose from is from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 to 20. And this then, we get a little bit more Old Testament vibes, if you want to put it that way, of God here. And are we, as people, reflecting on what God is calling us to do and reflecting on allowing God to work within us, but that also means that we are obeying him, listening to him, and doing that often includes us following the law of where God is steering us to go and allowing God to work within us. As we kind of get into the New Testament, we now recognize more the Holy Spirit working within. But again, this idea of working with God on a day-to-day basis to obey him and to listen to where God is steering and recognizing that the ancestors who have come on before us have allowed that to happen and we should be continuing to follow in those footsteps. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 1, all six verses of it. And again, allowing us to recognize that it's in the Lord and meditating with the Lord that we see the gifts of what God is doing. So yes, it's following the law, but it's also recognizing the creativeness of God and how God continues to work. I also really like verse 4, recognizing and talking about chaff being blown away. And chaff is like the protective layer around the seed and especially a lot of grains. And so the chaff being blown away, leaving the actual seed, leaving the fruit of the in quotes, fruit of the grass behind is something that is beautiful to kind of be able to recognize and understanding that God is still trying to work within that and not being steered away with the chaff, but understanding the fruit on which God has laid upon us. I really like the second reading this week or the New Testament text or the epistle text, however you want to put it. Because it's a book that we barely ever get into because it's only one chapter long. And I would recommend finishing out this book, but it's Philemon chapter 1 verses 1 to 21 is what they have. And I would say include the last four verses, go through verse 25. This is a very interesting text in a lot of ways because Paul is writing to Philemon and in that he has his former slave who has run away, and it's Paul recognizing the transformation that has happened within this man and his kind Oninesis and is asking him to essentially welcome him back and that Paul will take on any of the debts that he has and to kind of welcome him back into the fold and recognizing how he's come into faith and talking also about some of the other people that have faith, 
Paul then also at the end of the letter, which isn't included in the text, talking about how he is planning to come and visit him. And it's just a fun little letter. It's an opportunity to kind of get into an interesting little text, but it's also the place of Oninesis is bringing this letter back to his former owner as a runaway slave. And the awkward situation in a lot of ways that that's putting him in, but that he's assumed to have the faith to be able to deliver this letter. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. This is no easy discussion this week, especially when you have verses like verse 26. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. And continues with, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be the disciple. And he gets, Jesus continues this talking about how trying to build upon a solid foundation, but also the plans of recognizing how much work it's going to take to be able to build whatever you are doing. And for me, I think one of the things that really stands out, especially being in a first world country from the West, is verse 33. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. But again, this idea of how discipleship is not easy. Discipleship is going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. It's going to take a lot of Allowing yourself to be ridiculed, allowing yourself to go through a lot of things to recognize that what God is doing is greater than what you are doing. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plug. Oh, working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help give me some direction. I really enjoy having, having a different pastors talking about these different texts and having something like that and multiple histories of that to be able to help give some guidance on where we're going, but also having just other discussions and all the commentaries. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text each week, but I also highly recommend checking out their art and their additional things like prayer and hymns that they also have on there, which is super helpful to be able to look at these texts and think about these and think about it even from an artistic standpoint. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that also. There is a theme to these texts, and the theme to me is never stated, but it's also implied. And to me, the theme is vulnerability. And especially like when you're giving up your possessions or returning to your slave owner or recognizing the path in which your ancestors have lived and recognizing that that means personal sacrifice to allow God to continue to stir within your heart. Jeremiah comparing us to the clay of a potter. There is a lot of vulnerability in that. It's leaving yourself wide open in a lot of ways. And especially being a person, being a white male in the West, we struggle with this concept. Because we have been told throughout time, throughout space, to continue to try to protect yourself, get insurance, invest, 
all these different get a job, help build or get acquire some type of home that you can afford to be able to help protect yourself from being vulnerable. And yet that still comes in some form, in some fashion in our life, and we hate those moments. But one of the things that I've recognized in spending time out in nature is that when that stuff is stripped away, yes, there is a constant vulnerability that a lot of nature is in, but it also allows for them to be able to do some pretty incredible things. And there's a faith that comes along with that. So let me kind of get into it a little bit more. Vulnerability is just something as humans, we don't do very often. So thus we don't, I think, understand it that well. An animal that does go through a lot of vulnerability, and I think knows it pretty well because it struggles with doing it more and more as life continues, is lobsters. Lobsters, in order to grow, have to molt or shed their exoskeleton, aka their protection, because the flesh on the inside is getting too tight. And the thing with this is it's not even the process itself, which is very labor intensive. And you can, I'll attach some videos down below of lobsters shedding their exoskeleton. It doesn't take that long, anywhere from 15 minutes to half an hour. It's very energy intensive, but it needs to happen. But the thing that happens with doing that is that it needs to then go and hide for up to two months. And the reason being is that the protection that it had is now gone. It needs to go and hide to allow its body to recover, to allow it to be able to grow this exoskeleton again. And by the time that a lobster is six to seven years old, it can have molted up to 25 times. At six to seven is about the time that they become adults and males will still need to do it about every year, where females, it's about every two years. This is a very labor-intensive process, as I keep stating, and as we're realizing, it's a risky proposition. It's taking all the protection that the lobster has and throwing it to the side. Now, the plus side to doing that is not only allowing the lobster to get bigger, but if it's lost a leg or something like that, with regrowing their exoskeleton, they're able to regrow that leg. They've even noticed in lobsters being able to regrow antennae or eyes that it has lost in the time of its previous size. But shedding an exoskeleton is scary. It's leaving everything that that lobster has behind to go and hide to allow itself to develop into what it needs to be to continue to grow. See, one of the biggest things that is amazing about lobsters, especially female lobsters, is as they get to this adult size, the amount of young that they are able to produce 10 X's compared to where they were previously. So in order for the population to be able to continue to grow, they need to go through this process. But as it's very labor intensive and leaves them vulnerable, I would assume that there's times where they really don't want to. And they've even noticed as they have older and older lobsters, because of how energy intensive it is, there does kind of get to a point where potentially they aren't 
shedding their exoskeleton even though they could because it could potentially kill them with the amount of energy output that it would take for that to happen. Another example of it is hermit crabs. And there is a great BBC Earth documentary with David Attenborough, which is just amazing. And I'll attach the link down below. Of course, it's just a small snippet. But talking about how hermit crabs out in the wild, what happens is you have a shell wash up on shore, which isn't very common. And all these hermit crabs will come around the shell and start lining up. And the reason that they're lining up is if the shell is bigger than what they can do, what they realize is they can't move into that, but maybe that they can wait in line and slowly get to where they have bigger and bigger and bigger hermit crabs, convincing maybe one of the biggest ones to move into this new shell, and then everybody in the line move up into the next shell, allowing them to grow. The thing is, is that it is a bit of a risky forte. Because if somehow it happens that you don't get a shell, in a matter of hours, you will die. Because the sun hitting the hermit crab will just cause it to cook. The shell is part of its protection. It's literally its home. So even then, if in this shell swap, if you want to put it that way, that they get a shell that isn't as good as what they had, but it's bigger, it's better than not having a shell at all. You see, this whole process of, okay, we're getting lined up and there's all these hermit crabs and then trying to swap shells is a risky one. Along with if you add in a bird or something like that to potentially have lunch, that makes it a very dangerous proposition. It's fun to watch as a human being, but also quite dangerous to have happen. It's making yourself vulnerable in order for this hermit crab to be able to continue to grow. Vulnerability is a good thing. It's a hard thing, but it's a good thing. How often in our lives do we really allow ourselves to be vulnerable? I can think of when you're in school, there's times that teachers are pushing you to and challenging you in something that you aren't naturally good at, but it puts you in a vulnerable state and you have to at some point trust your teacher or instructor so that you are allowed to be able to get better. You think about like musicians in a lot of ways, that's something that you end up going through with your teachers challenging you that I know you're not very good at it, but you need to develop this skill. We look at within our lives, especially young in our life, we are very good at allowing ourselves to be not constantly, but encouraged to enter those waters. And if you look at, at least here in the West, how education is set up, when you graduate high school and how many people will go on to some type of additional education, there is vulnerability there, going potentially somewhere new going into specializing in something and making sure that am I actually good at this? Am I actually learning something? Am I actually going to be good at this? There's vulnerability there. If you think about relationships in a lot of ways, there's vulnerability that you have to at some point take down whatever facades you have and allow your true self to be exposed, which is being vulnerable. God wants that with us. God's wanting us to be vulnerable to the point where God then is able to say, this is how I designed you. This is who I made you to be. This is how you become a bigger lobster that you can continue to grow. 
And yes, it's going to leave you very vulnerable at this moment that you're going to have to hide away for a while as you're figuring this part out, but you will be stronger. You will get better at some point. Or a shell washing ashore and the process of, it's too big for me, so I have to wait for others and put myself in a vulnerable position of crawling out of what I have known, this home that I know, to move into something that's new, that I can continue to grow in, but it means leaving what I know. When you look at the Luke text and what Jesus is talking about, it states in the first verse, now large crowds were traveling with him. It's that recognition at this point, Jesus is gaining popularity. And Jesus is, like the psalm, kind of trying to get rid of some of the chaff. Trying to help people recognize that this isn't some trend. This isn't something that's easy. To be a disciple and to continue to carry out the mission of what Jesus did is not easy. And it means putting yourself in positions that leave you vulnerable specifically with God, but it can also leave us vulnerable with other people at times too. It ties really well into what we talked a little bit about last week of that humbleness. When we talk about it's hard to find where we are consistently humble, to be humble, in my opinion, often includes being vulnerable. Often means that you have to allow to take down your guard to potentially allow someone else in. And these are not easy things for us to wrestle with. It's not easy to shed your exoskeleton. It's a labor-intensive process. It's a dangerous process in and of itself. And after shedding that exoskeleton, it's not like the process is over. Now you have upwards to two months to figure out what this all means, have that exoskeleton regrow. But yet, it allows for that lobster to become bigger, to become, in a lot of ways, safer in the long run until the next time, allows that lobster to continue to be more and more valuable, that it can have more and more young, can be a bigger part of its ecosystem. For the hermit crab to do the same type of thing, do we allow ourselves to do that? Do we allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough? to be able to grow in the ways that God is wanting us to grow? I think that's the question for this week. Do we allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to allow God to work in our lives the way that God intends to work in our lives, to mold us into the people that God has designed us to be molded into? These are things that are simple in concept but take a lifetime to master. I know one easy story that I can quickly try summarizing is if you go back to some of the early podcasts, I've talked about how I was unemployed at that point and that was a long extended unemployment and there was a lot of me trying to figure out who I was and in a lot of ways, this podcast, putting something out in the world, something I was passionate about and still am passionate about, something about relating how I see faith and science working together really helped me at a time when I was really trying to figure out who I was. And heck, I'm still trying to figure out who I am in a lot of ways. I 
found a job. And as I've kind of referenced multiple times, I work at a church. And about a year later, one of the people in my life who I've always seen as a stable figure has been my father. And my father, with the situation he was in at work, found himself out of work. And the next year and a half, two years were very interesting because suddenly one of the people who I had always seen as a stable force was struggling and there was a lot of humbleness that both sides had to go through, seeing how the job market wasn't as good as sometimes advertised at that moment in time, how my father being closer to retirement age and how he was getting a little bit probably of age discrimination for him with work watching my father accept a position and really wasn't a good position for him and how it was affecting his health. And in that whole process, and now he's found a good position that seems to be working really well for him, the hard thing that I had was not only my dad being vulnerable with me about what he was going through, and we had a lot of deep heart-to-heart conversations about things, which I really appreciate. But also for me, the vulnerability of remembering the comments that my dad had made to me in my unemployment that didn't help me, that just were hard. And me trying not to repeat those mistakes. Me trying to be an encouraging force without feeling nagging to my dad. As I know that there was a lot of things that he had known throughout his life suddenly kind of disappearing for a period of time. And the growth that I have seen out of my father, having gone through that, is tremendous. And in a lot of ways, it's been really helpful for me to be able to see that, to recognize that, and not only learn how to encourage somebody who's going through that, but also being able to see the humbleness in a lot of ways my dad did that with, and the faith that it took, and the recognition of how life happens and continuing to live life, figuring out how to make life work. It doesn't mean just spending beyond your means, but figuring out how to make it work while you're figuring out life. And that's something that I really admire about my dad while going through that. And I think it's that moment that he was allowing himself to be vulnerable allowing himself to shed his exoskeleton to find his new home as a hermit crab. And I think it's something in a lot of times within us that it's not always a job, but there's times where God is calling us to be vulnerable and we struggle with that. And yet the growth that happens on the other side to become more the people that we are called to be, that God designed us to be literally as the potter, is amazing and sometimes we need to let our guard down and trust the process and allow ourselves to be vulnerable to become who god has called us to be if we can see nature leaning in and trusting that things are going to continue to happen and that they're going to be safe they're going to be okay i think we can do that especially knowing that we can pray at any time to talk to our creator who knows us inside and out, who knit us together as we get in the psalm this week, in Psalm 139, and knows the plans that he has for us. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.